But still, let's move on to our Bible reading. It's taken from Mark chapter 9, of course, and we are getting to the end of this chapter now. So, we're on Mark 9, verses 38 to the end of the chapter. <clears throat> Mark 9, starting to read at verse 38. And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go to hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt or lame into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. For every one shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. <clears throat> okay then. Last week, <clears throat> we were talking about true greatness, and we said that this was to be achieved by becoming everyone else's servant you remember that Jesus brought this child in and, and that child was to represent those who are least among the brethren that is perceived as least and the disciples were to understand that they must embrace these lowly believers as much as anyone else they were reminded that to embrace a fellow Christian is to welcome Jesus and to welcome Jesus is to accept God himself well today we're in <clears throat> excuse me we're in the we're in the same house and we're in the same conversation it's just a continuation so at this point in the conversation we find John speaks up and it's difficult to see what prompted him to say what he did <clears throat> but let's not forget, John, you know, was by nature quite a rash individual. So, it's my opinion that 
at first blush, the actions of the disciples, as John reports them here, are legitimate. There was an individual claiming to be doing his Christian duty, but they didn't know him. If he were genuine, they thought he'd be part of their group. Well, why I have some sympathy with the disciples' actions is because I'd likely think the same way. So, so I need to bring to mind Jesus' teaching here uh, as much as the disciples needed to. I mean, if I were walking through town and started chatting with an open-air preacher and found out he wasn't attached to any local church and had no intention of joining one, I'd be suspicious. I'd conclude he had a fault in his Christian walk if he were a Christian at all. So, what is Jesus' response here? He says something surprising. He informs them, not only is that individual, that exorcist guy, not only is he a believer, but it would be wrong of the disciples to hinder him in any way. Jesus' argument goes like this. There was a genuine miracle carried out. The miracle was done with the authority of Jesus himself. And people who do such things, you won't find them later uh, cursing Jesus. Now, we need to be careful reading Jesus' arguments here. If you misunderstood, you might lose confidence in Jesus' arguments because he says people who don't oppose him are with him. Now, you might inwardly object that you know individuals who are not actively opposed to Jesus. They might say he was a good man. They might tell you how much they respect your beliefs. Is, is this person, I don't know, like him, to be regarded as a Christian, therefore, based on what Jesus said? No, of course not. Jesus means us to understand that to take a neutral position on the gospel is to oppose God. So your friends and my friends who don't seem to be opposing God, they seem to be sympathetic. If they are in that neutral position, they are opposing God. They cannot sit on the fence and expect to be treated favourably by God. Listen to what Jesus says in another place. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Matthew 12, 30. He that is not with me is against me. He goes on to emphasise his point. In our account, he says, um, Never mind life-changing miracles. If someone does the smallest service to a believer in the name of Jesus Christ, this is evidence of true faith. Someone brings a cup of water to a fellow disciple of Jesus and says, You must be parched in this heat. Here, drink this. If he does this for Jesus' sake, he is a genuine believer and his reward of eternal life is secure. Now, echoing that teaching, the Apostle Paul, uh, in his letter to the Corinthians, his first one, says, Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. 
and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. When the disciples encountered this exorcist, they weren't in the best place to be making judgments. Most of them were part uh, of that spectacular failure of exorcising a demon themselves. And here they were, lording it over one who had successfully done so. And we've seen they were prone to thinking about status and no doubt thought it was impossible to have any ranking if you weren't part of the organisation to begin with, like, like this individual. It, it might help you if we uh, look at an Old Testament example where people became indignant that others were claiming to do God's will but not in the prescribed way. This is from uh, Numbers. Numbers chapter 11, starting at verse 26. But there remained two men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. And they were of them that were written, but were not out unto the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them? So, so they got a polite slap in the face, just like the disciples did from Jesus. Now we, we believe in a God of order, but we we force our understanding of that onto every situation, sometimes wrongly. We're to learn today that those who we think of as mavericks are likely Jesus' disciples, albeit working in an immature way. We're to help them, not hinder them. I want to spend some time looking at Jesus' warnings about sinning against others and sinning yourself. But I'd like to make a brief comment about the end of our passage. It contains some remarks which are difficult to interpret. Now fortunately, we don't need to understand them for the purposes of our message today. So I want to just comment on them and then uh, move on. So if you cast your eyes over verses 49 and 50, you'll see it talks about salt and fire. The difficulty here is not coming up with reasonable suggestions about what it means. There are lots. I've encountered more than a dozen different interpretations and I've come up with one or two of my own. And deciding which of these was originally intended is, is our problem. I do believe in what theologians call the perspicuity of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture. That all things required for godliness are very clear in the Scriptures. However, it's clear God didn't intend for everything in the scriptures to be as clear as everything else in the scriptures. Even Peter in the Bible says that some of Paul's theology is a little baffling. So we need to be open to the possibility that God will leave us 
with difficulties, expecting us to patiently consider and discuss them. Without the guarantee, we'll have the answer before Jesus comes. Salt and fire are used throughout scripture, as I'm sure you know, and they represent a variety of things. And this is one of the reasons it's difficult to interpret those verses. Salt is used to represent preservation, but it's also associated with punishment. Fire can represent spiritual uh, refinement, but it's also used to picture God's judgment of the wicked. And so considering those two elements of uh, Bible imagery, it's more suited to an in-depth study. So by all means, folks, if you're interested, I think you'd find it profitable to spend some time looking into that yourself. And if there's any demand for it, perhaps uh, as, a, as a local church, we could investigate that further. Well, we've dealt with that. So where's my first point for today, which is about sinning against the brethren. Oops. Now, Jesus warned people not to sin. Excuse me. Jesus warned people not to sin against his children so let's let's do away with the idea jesus is talking about literal children necessarily we must dismiss the opinions of our brethren who insist jesus is talking about how he loves the little children that he loves mankind but he loves children most of all and that heaven is full of children and babies probably with wings and so on it's fine for poets but it's not biblical children are sinners <laughs> they lie they cheat steal and commit many other sins that's like when they're one year old and it just gets worse jesus doesn't hold them up as virtuous jesus had children as well as adults wiped off the face of the earth which is horrific but you know they're simply full-blown opponents of, of God in training. It's like children, they're doing an apprenticeship to become uh, fully-fledged sinners. So I said to you last time, didn't I? I said to you last time, Jesus is using a child to represent lowly believers, those who are wrongly esteemed least in the church. They may be new Christians. They, they're quite still mixed up. As we all were at one time they may be christians of many years who've had such poor teaching they haven't grown much they may be thought little of because of their social status or they may be homeless they might have some physical disfigurement that makes it uncomfortable for some people to even look at them But friends, all those, all those who believe on Jesus Christ are cherished by him regardless of their looks, social status or Christian wisdom. They are the most fragile and are therefore to be most attended to. And again, in as much as you attend to those poor ones in the church, you attend to Christ himself. What does Jesus say back in Matthew? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, 
you've done it unto me and the context of that is that uh, J Jesus says that at, at the judgment uh, we'll be um, we'll be told about the things we've done for Jesus and um, in this scenario we, we, we will say well, I, I didn't I didn't do anything for Jesus I didn't give him any food or water or look after him he, he lived a long time before me but God will say when you did it to one of your brethren you did it to me because there's a connection you see there's a connection between that person and Jesus he like you is part of that body a body of Christ well in the passage today the particular warning is about causing one of these lowly brethren to stumble in their Christian walk others can cause them to sin and the penalty God imposes on such people is severe a good of a, example of how we can cause a weaker uh, brother to or sister to sin is found again in first Corinthians and the Apostle gives this example you'll remember of two brethren and one of them encourages the weaker brother to act against his conscience by eating food previously dedicated to false gods so the, the food's fine whether it's dedicate, being dedicated to Baal when it was killed when it was slaughtered dedicated to Allah or anyone else they can do what they want because all these these are all false gods gods of the imagination the food's fine dedicated to idols or not it's, it's just food it's to be received and taken and eaten with thanksgiving to God but here's the here's the thing if your brother is uncomfortable with that you shouldn't eat it in front of him just do something else take him to the KFC or something here's an extract from that argument of Paul's but when ye so when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience you sin against Christ you sin against Christ and we can also sin against our weaker uh, brothers or sisters if we hinder them in their efforts and even cast doubt on their very profession if because of some erratic or um, unspiritual behavior in them we dismiss them as false converts we risk causing damage and the truth is it's it's usually impossible to determine if someone is a believer or not so we need to be more thoughtful be before dismissing someone's profession listen to this also from Matthew this is Jesus speaking but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment and whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire now that sounds if, if you didn't know what was meant here 
that might sound a bit extreme you can do all kinds of things but if you call someone a, an idiot or a fool you're in danger of hellfire well the, the fool means an unbeliever remember the fool has said in his heart there is no God the fool is an unbeliever it's another word for that so looking at it from that perspective you can see the seriousness of it Jesus Jesus strongly discourages people from carelessly writing off people's professions now if there was ever a message of Jesus that applied more to the preacher than to the hearers this must be it I mean I've written off far too many uh, people it was never without cause but if I'd been more familiar with my Bible I'd have been far far more careful so Protestants are at risk at least as much as everyone else because we have this heritage don't we of defending the truth and more often than not there's been an imbalance in the mission of Protestants remember the Protestants not just Catholics and pagans have persecuted the church their attitude is often if you're not going to work for God in my way you're not going to work for God at all now the underdeveloped faith of the young of the exorcist in our passage today and all like him who lack knowledge in the church of God they need to be encouraged rather than ruined by harsh criticism or our own sectarian prejudices in Romans we have this let us not therefore judge one another anymore but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way a stumbling block that's causing them to sin in some way by something you say something you do well we talked about sinning against the brethren now let's look at uh, our own sin there was some warnings there you saw Jesus use this word offend if your hand offends you and so on and it needs explaining it's uh, like a lot of the words we, we encounter in our old Bibles the, the, the word meaning has changed so it needs some explanation because if the average person the average person read this they think it was about people who were disgusted with their feet or something if your foot offends you it's like they're probably thinking you know that foot I've always hated it it offends me so I'm going to cut it off obviously it doesn't mean that offence in the scriptures it refers to sin or as here causing someone to sin and the, the warnings here are as, as you read some of the most extreme in scripture he talks about hacking off body parts now it is true that the, th the three body parts mentioned are employed elsewhere in scripture as metaphors they are used to teach other things now I can't be confident that Jesus intended us to read any more into this other than the need for extreme measures against sin but in any case I'll remind you of examples of how they used 
and you can decide whether uh, Jesus intended us for, uh, to understand them in this way. The hands in scripture represent our actions, the things we do. And throughout our lives, the things we do are almost always sinful. The feet are used sometimes to describe our walk through this life. Uh, whether it be on the, the, the broad or, or the narrow road. And so what we want is to, we want to avoid allowing those feet of ours to, to take us on a path of sinfulness. The, the broad path uh, being the one that only leads to destruction. And thirdly, so much of what we think and how we act uh, is determined by things we see. So by merely looking at something we shouldn't, we are often led into sin. Job said this, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Which is an old-fashioned way of saying that he come to this realisation that the things he looked upon caused him to sin inwardly. And so he... <laughs> He, he, he made this arrangement, if you like, with his own eyes, whereby he would stop looking at things like other women who he wasn't married to uh, because it, it might cause him to start thinking about that person and uh, having a desire for them. So drastic surgery is what is urged on us here. Now, it is needful that I point out that Jesus, in my opinion, Jesus never expected anyone to be, you know, soaring off their own hands and, and the like. It's not meant to be understood literally. That may be obvious to you. But I'm not patronising anyone. The fact is Christians in history have taken things, um, taken these things uh, quite strictly. Uh, one of the church fathers, uh, Origen, believed Jesus meant this to be understood literally. He expected people would be, you know, cutting off body parts. It would make no sense anyway. If you did pluck out one of your own eyes uh, because you were looking at things you shouldn't, you'd still have the other one and you could just carry on. It wouldn't stop you. Now, having said that, Hypothetically, if there was a sin that could only be prevented by such self-mutilation, there may be an argument for it, but as I say, I'm sure this wasn't Jesus' intended teaching. But he is talking about something real. He, he is saying that sometimes real sacrifices have to be made in our war on personal sin. Whatever it is in your life that tempts you to be unfaithful to God must be discarded promptly and decisively in the same way as an army medic might have to amputate an arm or a leg to save someone's life. Be savage with your sin. Hate it. Go to war with it. Kill it. Show it no mercy. Bring your whole self under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle advises his fellow believers this way, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, 
lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This is the this is the hazard for the preacher that he knows exactly what to say but that doesn't mean that he is following his own advice all the time and that would be a terrible uh, it is a terrible thing especially for preachers to sin so we've looked at sinning against other brethren and particularly those who are esteemed least in the church we've looked at our own sin and how we should take drastic measures to to avoid sin and my, my final point is this I've entitled it Gehenna or glory which I'll explain in a moment Jesus came into the world to save sinners yeah that they've sinned he hasn't God's rule is simple folks if you sin against him you will die a never-ending death at his hand the punishment is in a place we call hell and that punishment was laid on Jesus on the cross so there as he hung on the cross he owned all the transgressions of all those who were ordained to eternal life God the Father was then able in all justice to look down and see the sins of the elect congealed in the person of his very own son and this allowed him to punish Jesus instead of them it's way beyond us to understand how a person can endure an eternal hell in a short space of time but Jesus did and for all its horror we are thankful that he so suffered This use of the English word hell is not very helpful. It's used to describe both the, the common grave of man and the place of eternal torment for the wicked among men. It, but it, its use in, in our passage today it's, it means the same thing. The Greek word in, in each case is the same. Behind that word hell is the Greek word gehenna or gehenna. And the name comes from a place uh, just outside the walls of Jerusalem where human sacrifice took place and it came to be it came to be used to represent a dark miserable and horrific place because all kinds of rubbish as well as human corpses were piled up there and it was frequently on fire some of the imagery that the Bible uses to describe the suffering of those in that place can be found in the Old Testament it talks about worms or maggots that torment from inside and it speaks of a raging fire that torments externally so that is it, it, it describes the suffering of the entire man the entire woman I've never believed this imagery was, in, was to be understood literally never but I've always believed the reality will be worse <clears throat> Jesus sometimes uses unpleasant physical deaths to shadow the eternal death 
he's prepared for Satan, all Satan's angels, and all those who are not on the Lord's side. In our passage today, there's a warning to those who would harm one of his beloved children, and he talks of someone being drowned. It would be better, he said, if such a transgressor, a transgressor had a, a millstone tied around his neck and was thrown in the sea. Now, it may interest you to know the millstone used in Jesus' Jesus's example was one of the larger ones. It had to be turned by a, by a, by a, a donkey. It was used in the mills, of course, to grind things into uh, meal and, and into flour. And, of course, if you were attached to one and dropped in the ocean, that's the end of you. There are reports, as bizarre as it sounds, there are reports of some Jewish uh, insurrectionists Jewish uh, rebels being killed in this fashion by Imperial Rome before Jesus came and, and if that's true his hearers may have been aware of these accounts of some of their countrymen being killed in this exact way and it would make the warning all that more stark and brethren let this also impress itself on your minds and hearts this morning now, these warnings were addressed to believers now on the one hand we believe God will never cast away his children from him but those who commit sin and cause others to commit sin should consider their situation as precarious our acceptance with God is entirely because of the merits of Jesus Christ it is not made more secure or made less secure by our variable behavior but we must not let a narrow understanding of our cherished doctrines cause us to dismiss these teachings today as not applicable to us when you sin or you cause others to sin you should tremble You've offended the Most High God after all and you should go immediately to him for forgiveness. If you are a genuine believer today, you will hate your sin. I asked you the question, uh, asked you if I could snap my fingers and you would stop sinning. You would want that more than anything else. You hate your sin. You, you should be angry at yourself every time you sin. But then, you should go straight away to God and get that peace of conscience that is a gift promised to all those who belong to Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you all. The Lord bless you all today and in the week ahead in our Saviour's mighty name. Amen. And now may the grace of our precious God uh, be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Well, thank you folks for joining uh, with the rest of the brethren today. I hope that God's word has been um, a blessing to you and that my um, explanations of it has not been a hindrance to your blessing. So... 
until we meet again dv uh, thank you once again and the lord, the lord bless you see you soon